Welcome to the Introvert Dear Podcast, the show devoted to helping introverts live more peaceful, meaningful lives. We are here to remind you that you don't have to be an extrovert to be happy. Now, here are your hosts, Jen Graneman and Bo Miller. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably safe to assume that you're an introvert. But have you ever felt like the term introvert didn't fully describe you? That there are aspects of your personality that don't fall under the introversion umbrella. Today, we're talking about what it means to be a highly sensitive person. Introverts and highly sensitive people share many common characteristics, but there are some important differences, which might help explain some of the things you experience. Our guest today is Andre Solo. Andre is an author, philosopher, and at times an adventurer. His most recent book, Lunacy Days, a tale of magical realism set at the end of the age of American prosperity. He's also a passionate advocate for introverts and highly sensitive people. Along with Jen, his life partner, he co-founded a new community for highly sensitive people called HighlySensitiveRefuge.com. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you. So what is a highly sensitive person? So highly sensitive person is a term that comes from psychology, and it refers to a relatively small portion of the population who have a gene that basically makes their nervous system more more sensitive or more responsive to stimuli. Um, And that comes out in a few different ways. So if you're a highly sensitive person, the most kind of defining characteristic is that you process things very deeply because your nervous system and your brain do process every little stimulus that you you encounter. Um, And so highly sensitive people tend to um, notice even the most subtle changes. So if there's a very subtle change in temperature that most people maybe wouldn't really notice or pay attention to, that's, that's very obvious to a highly sensitive person. Um, and this includes things like social or emotional stimuli, very small changes in the mood of a conversation or a room, um, very small changes in the social, social dynamics of the people around you are really on the radar of very obvious to highly sensitive people and so are their own internal thoughts and emotions. Um, highly sensitive people will spend a long time processing through um, thoughts that occur to them, emotions that are coming up for them. What happened today? How did that meeting go? What did my friend mean when they said that? Um, and that can be both very positive and very helpful. And it can also be really hard. It can be a struggle. Um, and with this sensitivity comes a few different things. Um, one of them is actually a certain level of empathy. It's been found that the uh, one of the areas that's very active in highly sensitive people uh, are the, the, the mirror neurons in the brain. If you haven't heard of mirror neurons, it's basically the, the part of your brain that tries to, uh, that when you notice you know, the look on someone's face or their body language, it sort of tries to simulate or mirror what the heck they must be feeling to be talking that way or expressing themselves that way. And so this is a part of the brain that empathy comes from. So highly sensitive people tend to be extremely aware of people's emotions. Um, and because they're processing everything so deeply, they can also get extremely overstimulated and things that might not wear out other people like um, busy, crowded places or lo- loud noises or um, uh, a day at work with a, with a hard deadline that they had to meet. Those same things can be quite overwhelming if you're a highly sensitive person. That explains so much of why sometimes I feel tired. I don't know about you, Jen, but have you ever felt like you spend way too much time introspecting? thinking about experiences that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. And that gets exhausting. 
Yeah, and it's it's just so draining really quick, and it takes up so much of your mental energy. And I think what you just explained too, Andre, if the mirror neurons is right on as well, because that at least describes my personal experience. And maybe if you're listening to this, it describes yours as well. So, Andre, oh, are, so you, Bo, Bo, yeah. are you a highly sensitive person then? Yeah, yeah, that would totally oh, describe cool. me. Uh huh. That's great. Yeah. So, how about you? Uh, <laughs> so I am not, I'm actually not a highly sensitive person. I sometimes joke that I'm a highly insensitive person. <laughs> um, and I really, th- this is something that's only kind of, I've only started to understand over the last few years about myself and about others, but I've, I've worked in the arts for most of my adult life. I'm a, I'm an author. I've been involved in all kinds of creative projects and I have a lot of friends who are artists of different kinds, musicians, everything. Um, and I would say I've had a lot of people in my life who are highly sensitive people. For most of my life, I did not know what that meant. I, I didn't have any words or language to describe what these people had going on that I could tell was slightly different than the way I operate. Um, and I honestly think that in a lot of ways, it made me not a very good friend to many of my highly sensitive friends. That when they were having a really hard time with something emotionally that maybe didn't seem like, quote unquote, as big of a deal to me, uh, I, I wouldn't get it. And I was maybe not as, uh, as well, it's, let's say sensitive as I could have been in return or as supportive. Um, and a lot of times, you know, things would overstimulate or wear out people in my life that, that didn't overstimulate me. And I was just mm-hmm. sort of like, what's going on? Why, why are we so different on this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a really hard time understanding it until I kind of started learning about what a highly sensitive person is and that they really are experiencing the world differently than I am, um, and that our, our systems really do process things very differently. And as I started to understand what that meant, I could immediately think of people in my life and say, oh, so-and-so must be a highly sensitive person. Oh, and I bet this person is too. Um, sometimes people I still know and, and uh, see all the time, and sometimes people that I can remember from 10, 15 years ago. Um, and I think that's really important to me, that, that there were people in my life that I cared about and I didn't understand them, and I didn't necessarily uh, bring to the relationship what they really would have needed for me to be a great friend. Uh, and so that idea of starting to understand highly sensitive people, what it means, how they see the world, and the fact that most people who are not highly sensitive really don't get it. And for a highly sensitive person, the world can be pretty tough sometimes because most people just kind of, they, they don't know why you're experiencing things differently. And uh, it gets mislabeled all the time. It's like, oh, this person must have um, some kind of mental illness or this person, they must have something wrong with them or they're being, quote unquote, too sensitive. And that's, that's often not the case at all. Um, so I think that just creating more understanding around high sensitivity and highly sensitive people and helping, helping that group of people both discover that, that um, concept and understand themselves very fully and also helping others to understand what it means to be highly sensitive. That's an important part of, of why I work on this issue. Well, I got to say, kudos to you for learning about it and making the change because we all start somewhere, but it's it's a big step forward and something to be congratulated that that you're noticing that and encouraging others in that. And you have started to actively support others, right? Haven't you taken some action recently? Yeah. So, I mean, um, so Jen and I together have uh, founded HighlySensitiveRefuge.com and um, and Jen's been writing about uh, about highly sensitive people for years um, on Introvert Gear. Um, and Jen is a highly sensitive person. So I think a big a big catalyst for me was, you know, being in a relationship with Jen. And I, I think we're we're very good in a relationship together. And generally we 
generally we work well together as well. Um, but it's definitely been a learning curve of like, oh, like, you know, I'm going to have to understand that she's going to react to this differently. Um, and how to, you know, how to kind of, both, you know, have, have that give and take that where we're both understanding each other. Mm-hmm. So it's been something I've been practicing in my personal life. And then also it's become very important to me. Um, and so we started the website so that there's a community and, uh, you know, an online publication for highly sensitive people. So what's it been like for you, Jen, being a highly sensitive person? How has that knowledge changed your life? So I'll just say that I am definitely a highly sensitive person. I remember taking the test in Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. This is many years ago. And I think there were 30 items on that test. And I checked every single no one. No way. Yeah. So I'm like super highly sensitive. If that's a thing, <laughs> I'm making it a thing. It is now, right? It is now. I, I, can, I can vouch that Jen is super highly sensitive. So it was really eye-opening for me because I felt like introversion explained one half of the story and then high sensitivity explained the other half because there were some things in me such as like absorbing other people's emotions and just absolutely hating watching gore and violence Mm -hmm. on the big screen or even just hearing about a news story with some kind of Mm -hmm. cruel act that really bothered me. So I just felt like high sensitivity really explained that other piece of the story. And once you know about something like that, it can be really life-changing just to have a word for it. You can say, okay, that's what it is. Other people are like that. I'm not the only one. And then once you kind of label it, then you can figure out how to work with it and move forward in your life and actually deal with some of the problems that come up. So in a similar way to introversion, it was really life-changing for me. So how can you tell if you are a highly sensitive person? You mentioned a few things there. You mentioned the test that had 30 um, things you could check off that described whether you're a highly sensitive person or not or helped you figure it out. Is there, are there any, any other things you can do to figure it out? Yeah. So I'll talk about a few signs that someone is a highly sensitive person. And certainly you can go check out Elaine Aaron's book and take that test that I'm talking about. We also have an article up on highly sensitive refuge called 21 signs that you're a highly sensitive person. And uh, we'll put that in the show notes so that you can go and check out that and see if you tick off some of these signs. So like I said, one of the signs is you just absolutely hate violence or cruelty of any kind. Maybe a story comes on the news about a really brutal act or something like that or animal cruelty. Or for me, it's those commercials, those uh, humane society commercials where they have like the sad animals Mm -hmm. and the sad music playing. And I just, I I say things like, I have to change the channel right now before I give my entire paycheck to the humane society. (laughs) Because it just tugs at my heart so much. And it also just gives me kind of a bad feeling in my stomach. Like, mm. it's, it's really physically hard to watch that. Can I, can I throw a story in here, Jen? Sure. Stories okay. are welcome. Please. <laughs> <Boy>. Please. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Which is not about violence. So don't worry, highly sensitive listeners. But uh, just to the animal thing. Like, so, so the other day, Jen read that um, cats don't normally meow to each other, to other cats. They, they just kind of use body language and smelling and things like that to communicate. Um, and the cats really pretty much developed most of their meowing just to communicate with humans. 
And that, I mean, I feel like, Jen, that's just really like, you, you just love that idea. Like, you know, every time a, one of our two cats meows at you, you're just like, oh, you're using your language that you developed just for <laughs> us. <laughs> you get straight to your heart, which is really beautiful. I find it very touching. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> you have some. Um, but, you know, I think that's true that a lot of highly sensitive people have you know, their heartstrings are pulled mm. at, at animals or maybe small children or groups of people that are hurting or undercared for. So another sign that you're highly sensitive is you're frequently emotionally exhausted from absorbing other people's feelings. And this is a big one. I hear this from a lot of people. HSPs, although not necessarily empaths, they tend to absorb other people's emotions, almost like an empath would. So it's not unusual for an HSP to walk into a room and immediately sense the moods of the people in it. Bo, have you ever had something like that happen to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'd say it happens all the time with my wife. Like she gets irritated because she's an introvert, but, um, and we'll touch on this in just a, a second, but she's not a highly sensitive person. So she can be having a bad day and I can be having a great day, come home. And then I'm like, wait, something's wrong. And then the, the um, tenor of my whole day will change and it's hard for me to move on. Um, and so yeah. we talk about it. Now I'm, I'm learning to let that go and give her space because I think she needs that. And I need to be respectful of her. But it's hard to not let it go because it does impact the way I think, at least initially. I totally get that. That happens to me all the time. It could be anyone. And I'll be going along. Dave feels fine. And then suddenly I run into someone who's not having such a good day. Mm-hmm. And that negativity just really wears me down. So that's that's actually a highly sensitive person trait because HSPs are very aware of subtleties, including facial expressions, body language, tone of voice. And these are things that other people might miss. And if you pair that with a sensitive person's naturally high levels of empathy, it's no wonder that we HSPs feel emotions that aren't our own. And Bo, I'm sure you can attest, but this gets exhausting. Oh, it totally does. It's so draining. So another sign that you're an HSP, and like I said, I won't go through them all, so do check out that article, but time pressure really rattles you. So for example, in school, maybe timed quizzes or speed tests. I I remember having to do these like basic math fact Mm -hmm. tests all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was just thinking of. Yeah. My stomach would churn. Are you like trying to sweat right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could just remember my stomach churning when those things came up. I wanted to do well on them, but I just hated that, that time crunch. Yeah, it it made me super anxious. And, you know, it makes anybody anxious, whether you're highly sensitive or not, or I shouldn't say anybody, but it can make anybody anxious. But for highly sensitive people, they might not perform as well as they normally would because that time pressure really rattles them. Mm -hmm. It's the same with having a very busy schedule or a very busy weekend or a very busy day at work. Of course, anybody would feel stressed when their to-do list is piling up and they don't have enough time to finish all those tasks. But Highly sensitive people are really sensitive to that stimulation. So they just they become even more stressed when there's some sort of time pressure. Huh. So what's the difference between an introvert and a highly sensitive person? Because a highly sensitive person can be an introvert, but an introvert doesn't have to be a highly sensitive person. I feel like this is a return to polygons, like where a square <laughs> is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. Like, Can you help us parse this out a bit? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll be honest, highly sensitive people and introverts share a lot of characteristics. Introverts will withdraw often and so do highly sensitive people because stimulation gets to be too much. So they'll want to stay home instead of going out to the party or they'll want to sit quietly in their bedroom reading or just watching something on TV instead of 
being around a lot of people or being in a very busy environment. So it's really easy to confuse the two. Some people actually think that Susan Cain's book, Quiet, is actually more about HSPs, highly sensitive people, than it is introverts. But then, of course, people disagree, right? So not all the experts agree. Uh, so they are very similar. And I actually suspect that one day we might find a common biological mechanism hmm. behind both high sensitivity and introversion, just because they are so similar. But there are some key differences. So for one, highly sensitive people get more easily drained by things in their environment. So like bright lights, loud noises, sitting on a bench that's very hard and uncomfortable. Those things might drain and annoy introverts, but if you're a highly sensitive person, you're even more sensitive to all that environmental stimuli and it's even more draining to the point of being like, oh, I cannot be in this loud restaurant right now. That's happened to me a lot. Like Andre and I will go out somewhere and I'll just be like, I just can't be here right now. All mm. the noise, all the people, all the talking. I'm just, it's not even that it's a social thing that's exhausting me. Sure, I could sit here and have a conversation, but it's more that all that stimulation is bombarding me. Huh. Yeah, I would say that's a big difference between us a lot, Jen, where, you know, both of us might be like, oh, do we have to go to this social event tonight? I can't believe we scheduled this because we're both introverts. But there are definitely times when there's some uh, recurring noise, like the air conditioner is making a certain noise or the, you know, the dishwasher is going or something and you are just driven up the wall. And I'm like, wait, what? It's making a noise. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very profound difference in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And I also feel like as a result, you kind of seem to have a, a longer social battery than me mm. just because like you're not drained by all that other extra stuff that I am. That makes sense. So you can go for a little bit longer than I can. Yeah. Anyways, another one tends to be that HSPs are also very empathetic. So they have high levels of empathy. And yes, introverts do have high levels of empathy too, but highly sensitive people tend to be, again, I'm going to say this over and over, but they just tend to be extra empathetic. So think about the Humane Society commercials or you know, even though I'm coming back to the cat's meowing thing. I got to jump in right here because I think I have something related. I'm curious if this is just me or not. But even like when we're doing this interview, my brain is naturally keeping track of like how long Andre's talking and how long you're talking, Jen. And I feel bad if like the balance isn't kept and someone doesn't get as much of a turn. But that happens all the time. I like my stomach starts to tighten up in knots. And I'm like, well, that's not fair to that person. We need to give them a turn. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that before or not. Has that you know, happened well, to you? That might be because you're highly sensitive, and it might also just be because you're a good host. Ah, thanks, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> I have to but say, you know, go ahead, Jen. I was just going to say, Andre and I were out with some neighbors last night, and I had the same thing going on in my mind. I was like, oh my goodness, like we've been talking a lot. We need to make sure that they get a chance to talk, and one of them was a little quieter than the other. So I was trying to ask the other person uh -huh. questions, you know, because I was like, everyone needs to get their fair share of time. So it's really funny to me that you guys both say that because here's my question. Is that something that you've kind of always had in the back of your mind, like kind of for life, you've always just been aware of, of whether everyone's getting equal time in a social situation? I would say yes. What about you, Bob? Yeah, I, I would say that's just kind of inborn. See, that's fascinating because for me, I, I was thinking the same thing, uh, both in this podcast, or, you know, is everybody, am I talking too long? Is everyone getting a turn? And also last night at the social thing, but that's something that I had to learn to huh. impose on myself. Like that's in my late 20s, maybe I started getting in the habit of like, oh, you should make sure you're not talking longer than everybody else. Interesting. Uh, it's very much like a, like a, a thing I had to force myself to learn just to not be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and, and we got to say, too, like there are advantages to, you know, that other mindset. So I, I wouldn't even take it to like being a jerk, but it's just a totally different oh, no, approach. I, I, to it. <laughs> I It's honesty no, time. Your podcast. <laughs> and I got to say, too, when you all said that uh, you sometimes put things on the calendar and then when it's time to go, you both are asking, why did we put this on the calendar? That was so refreshing because my wife and I do that all the time. We're like, why did we schedule this? <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> and that's another case where your wife is also an introvert like you, but she's not highly sensitive, you said. So that's interesting that you're the same about that because you're both introverts. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like that could be an introvert or an HSP thing. So speaking about introverts, let's flip the coin a little bit on this topic of highly sensitive. Can an extrovert be highly sensitive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I think gets overlooked a lot. There's a lot of overlaps between introverts and highly sensitive people. And for that reason, uh, discussing HSPs, highly sensitive people, almost always comes up in the context of introverts. But the reality is it's split. About 70% of highly sensitive people are introverts, but that leaves 30% who are extroverts. Um, And that's not a small number. So I I don't want to give them short shrift. And uh, I think extroverted, highly sensitive people are just fascinating to me. Um, and I've, I, I know for sure that I know one extroverted, highly sensitive person, um, but I don't know if I've met any other ones in my life, but it was really interesting. I definitely thought this person was an introvert at first. They were the ones who told me, oh, no, I'm actually an extrovert. And I was like, what? Huh. And they were very aware of it. They're like, oh, yeah, I know. I don't come across that way, blah, blah, blah. But as I got to know them better, like, absolutely. They, they wanted to be around people all the time. They love talking. But the difference was there were like certain people that they wanted to be around, mm. not just like, I can't wait to go out to the bar and meet someone. Or, I can't wait to go to a party and talk to 20 people. It's like they wanted to be in one on one or like, you know, small group conversations, um, which a lot of introverts can relate to. But they would happily do that all night. Like they, the social battery was just um, it was impressive as long as they were around the right people that they felt close to. And I think that's one common thing for highly sensitive extroverts is that you don't necessarily have a limited social battery, but certain people will drain you or certain situations will drain you. And that might be because the, that person's personality is grating on you because they, they are very insensitive or they're not very thoughtful or they're exuding a lot of negative emotions that you're processing. Or it could also be because of the setting. We're like, yeah, I love talking to this person, but we're in a loud restaurant, like Jen said, or we're in a crowded party or something like that. And that's just just overwhelming the highly sensitive person's um, system because they're processing all of that. Every single little noise and voice in that room is getting processed by their by their brain in a way that a non-sensitive or I should say a, a, a less sensitive person uh, would not be processing all that. So highly sensitive extroverts are fascinating people. They um, they will often have a few people in their life that they would love to see every single day if they could and talk to all the time. And so they might think of themselves sometimes even mistakenly as an introvert because highly sensitive people um, do tend to withdraw sometimes and do tend to avoid certain social settings, even if they're extroverted. But they might not realize, well, actually, if you added up the time you're spending with your two or three best friends, you're socializing, you know, for 80% of your free time. And it's what you look forward to recharge yourself after a day of work. Um, so absolutely, uh, highly sensitive extroverts are out there. That's such a great distinction and explanation. It's It's kind of a a hairline distinction because introverts too enjoy being with people that they're close to. They have those people that they, they like to connect with. But like you said, like for a certain amount of time and then they want to be by themselves to do the best work to recharge. But those extroverts want more time. And I thinking of people 
uh, my sister comes to mind. I think she's one of those people. And for a long time, she did think she was an introvert, but you know, she would love to be with people all the time, but not everybody, just a few people. And, and, uh, if you're a Myers-Briggs junkie, then you probably might be familiar with the ENFJ type. And I feel like many of those types would fit into that category because they can come across as introverts because they don't want to be around everybody. I mean, they love to be around people, but certain kinds of people. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting the difference between that that. because the the person I was using as an example right there, uh, proudly identifies as an ENFJ and that's exactly how they tested. So, huh. Uh, my, my, uh, wife and my sister get together sometimes and they're friends. Uh, they think differently, but, um, my wife says that my sister can like bore into her soul with her eyes, like super empathy, but (laughs) just makes her uncomfortable because she's a real matter of fact, practical person. And and she can only sustain that conversation so long. So, so on that topic of empathy, um, we talked a little bit about that, but, um, can you tease out a little bit more what empathy means for us? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's like two different ways that the word empathy is used and it, they're both radically different. Right. Um, and I think both relate to highly sensitive people. Uh, so first of all, when we say empathy, usually you just mean that you, you are not just sympathetic for another person, but it's as if you can feel their pain yourself mm-hmm. or as if you can feel their, their joy yourself. So when somebody has a lot of empathy, it just means they're very understanding of other people's emotions. They're able to identify with others, they're able to understand what someone else is going through. Um, and that's a product of the way the highly sensitive brain is set up. A lot of that extra processing that happens does go through those mirror neurons that we use to almost literally feel inside of ourselves what the other person must be feeling. And that's one of the reasons why violent scenes in, in movies or TV shows are so hard for mm. highly sensitive people because you're not just seeing it at the plot point or dramatic moment on the screen. There's a huge part of your brain that's, that's much more, uh, I, I, I guess I would say, developed or much stronger than it is in, in other people that is, is processing that violent act as if you yourself are the one experiencing it. You're, you're really feeling empathy with the victim. And that's extremely, uh, I mean, frankly, it's, it's traumatic almost. Um, so that kind of empathy, we're just, you know, being highly sympathetic and understanding other people is definitely part of being a highly sensitive person. It's part of the, the core definition of what a highly sensitive person is. Um, but then there's the other way that we use the word empathy to mean like, are you an empath? And I think this is where people uh, can, as, as I believe Jen was saying earlier, sort of absorb the emotions of others around them, where sort of if, if there's somebody who's uh, stressed out or upset in the room, maybe even across the room or seated behind you, um, and they're not verbally saying how stressed out they are, but you can just feel it and you yourself start to feel stressed out in the same way or upset in the same way because you're an empath and you're just picking up those emotions and they become your own. And I think there's so many subtle cues that a, a, a person who's not highly sensitive misses out on, that a highly sensitive person picks up on did the person walk in the room a little faster than other people did? So does that mean they're tense or does that mean they're excited? You know, are their footfalls heavy on the floor, which might mean that they are uh, angry or that they're sad or depressed, right? There's so many little subtle signals that I would completely miss that a lot of highly sensitive people process without ever consciously noticing it. You might not say to yourself, well, I heard how heavy their feet were on the floor. But the fact that they walked in in a different way than the other people who walked into the room did, or that they're hunched a little bit differently at their chair, or whatever it might be, the way they sigh across the room behind you when you can't really see them, 
you might pick up on that and process that and come up with those, you know, those mirror neurons that you have can start to give you the sense of like someone here is stressed out. Someone here is sad. Someone's in pain. And you suddenly feel that pain yourself without even necessarily knowing where it comes from. And then you look around the room and see, oh, sure enough, there's somebody who looks kind of upset and depressed in the corner. I didn't even know that they'd come in, but unconsciously you did. So there's a couple different explanations, but that ability to absorb emotions is one of HSPs' greatest strengths, in my opinion. What are some misconceptions about HSPs? Oh, man. Jen, I think you're going to have to help me out with this one. So I would say that one of the biggest misconceptions is that people will tell HSPs they're too sensitive or too emotional. And although emotional reactivity is part of being highly sensitive, so for example, highly sensitive people feel things very deeply, both good and bad feelings, it's definitely not all that being highly sensitive is. So, you know, when when someone is seeing something on TV that makes them upset, or maybe when they've had an argument with a friend or a partner and maybe they're crying, maybe they're dwelling on what happened. Maybe they're just having trouble moving on and letting go. That's that's another part of being highly sensitive is you you hold on to those things a little longer, whereas other people are moving on and moving past it. You're still thinking about it because you process things very deeply. That's one of the core characteristics of being highly sensitive is your depth of processing. So people will tell HSPs they're just overreacting. They're just being too sensitive. They should just get over it. And what people don't realize is HSPs just can't. You can't just get over it. Of course, there are things you can do to cope. You can use mindfulness. You can bring awareness to your feelings and other things like that. But it's not just like flipping a switch. You can't just be like, you're right. I'll just turn off my emotional reaction or the way I feel or what I'm thinking about. And a lot of times I think that that makes it even worse when someone tells them they should get over it or you're making too big a deal out of it. Because now, in addition to processing the emotion they were already processing, the highly sensitive person is also feeling criticized or judged or like, oh, well, now I'm not good enough if I don't suck it up. So now they've got a whole other emotional thing to process too. So I feel like a lot of times it just just inflames it. That's just a great point. It, It compounds things. Yeah. I think a lot of highly sensitive people grow up as the only highly sensitive person in a, in a family of people who maybe aren't highly sensitive, or maybe there's just one or two relatives in the family. I mean, it's a, it's a small percent of the population. Most of their friends won't be highly sensitive. Most of their teachers won't be highly sensitive. Most of their family members won't be. When you become an adult, most of your coworkers and supervisors won't be. And so you stick out as like being different. And it's a way that sometimes is inconvenient for other people. And since, since it seems to them like, well, everyone else isn't doing this, so it's often treated as this like bad thing when it's really not, honestly. Right. Only 15 to 20% of the population are highly sensitive. So that's too many people for high sensitivity to be considered some kind of disorder or disease or malfunction. But it's not enough people in the general population for high sensitivity to be very well understood, which is one of the big reasons we wanted to start Highly Sensitive Refuge, to bring more awareness to it. Yeah, that's, the other that's misconception really cool. I, would, I would just throw out there too, I think this is a big one that doesn't get talked about much, is um, people think of high sensitivity as like a female thing. Yes. And there are a lot of highly sensitive males out there, a lot. Um, I don't have numbers on it. I know that when we, when we hear from our audience, our audience is heavily skewed toward women. Uh, I think most of the people uh, reading HighlySensitiveRefuge.com are like the majority are probably women. But I can't tell if that's because 
it's more common in women than men, or if it's because if you're a highly sensitive man, you're getting this message over and over that that's somehow not manly and you don't want to admit it. You don't want to, you don't want to say, well, I'm sensitive or I'm highly sensitive. That these are things you might try to avoid as a category or label, even though it's really just a difference in your nervous system. And it can be extremely helpful to understand that your nervous system works that way. I'm so glad that you shared that because running in the back of my mind while you guys have been talking about this <laughs> is my sports experience. I'm six foot eight. So I always played basketball. My dad was a good athlete. And I guess I got some of his genes. I was never as good as he was, but I enjoyed playing sports. And I spent, before I really understood myself, a ton of time out on the basketball court just shooting hoops because it was kind of a quiet thing I could do by myself. And I really enjoyed it. And I love playing with friends in the neighborhood. It's just a good time to connect and be outside, get some exercise. But I could hardly stand it when we'd get in front of the entire gymnasium full of people. It just overloaded my senses. And for the longest time, I couldn't understand why I could play so well and just a relaxed environment and, and uh, enjoy it so much and then hate it when I was in front of all those other people. And on top of it all, um, there would be the, the coach. And I had some good coaches, but um, a, a, one coach in particular was more of a um, just a, a tough-minded person and wasn't aware of the idea that you could be highly sensitive. So he would tell me things like, hey, just tough enough. You need to be more aggressive. You need to want the ball. You need to go out there and kill some people. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to play the sport because it's fun. And I like the idea of tactically working with my teammates to succeed, but I don't want to kill anybody. Like I'm here to play a game and hopefully win. But I always wrestled with that. Like, is there something wrong with me? And I've come to learn that that's okay. And, and there are strengths to, to seeing life a different way. But yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. So what are some of the biggest challenges that HSPs face? Overstimulation. Mm. That is hands down the biggest one. It's just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like you're bombarded all the time by information, by, by data and energy and impressions coming into your mind. And it's really hard to turn that off. So like a highly sensitive person could walk into a classroom or walk into an office and they're noticing so many little things around them that other people might not notice. And that can be really good. That can be a strength because it gives them an eye for detail. It makes them very perceptive and insightful. But when you're noticing so much more information, it makes you easily overwhelmed by all that information. So it can be really tough. It can be very exhausting to be a highly sensitive person and an introvert. It's kind of like a double whammy. You need to take a lot of time for yourself to recharge and just let that stimulation soak out of you. Oh, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about dealing with the stress and overstimulation uh, that can come with being an HSP along with taking that time for yourself. Um, have you guys in particular heard of anything or found anything personally helpful in working through it in addition just to having some time off? Personally, for me, it is that time off that is the biggest thing. I will often just go in my bedroom, close the door, dim the lights, and just relax. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not doing anything in particular. I might snuggle up with one of my cats, but <laughs> that's about it. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast or read something, but it really is just that time to let that let your brain decompress. You can organize your life around minimizing those stressful experiences. So for example, I would probably never go to the grocery store on a Saturday morning just because that's a time I know when it's very busy. 
and it's going to be stressful. And yes, anybody would get stressed out being in a busy grocery store or a busy place, but for highly sensitive people, that stress is even more intense. I also just know things about myself like, uh, I, I don't think I can tolerate being in this environment right now. I'm going to have to say no. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on that. It's really about knowing your limits, knowing what's going to work for you, and also being aware of your own feelings. So noticing like, wow, I'm feeling really tired. I don't think I can handle this extra stimulation. And then just being aware in the moment. Let's say you are at a party or some sort of busy environment. You need to be tuned into how you're feeling. I used to be really bad at being tuned into my own body and my own emotions. And then suddenly I would just hit this tipping point where I was completely overloaded and I'd have a meltdown, like angry, crying, uh, <laughs> couldn't think, couldn't function. And I've had to learn over the years. It was, it was difficult, but I've had to learn to notice when I'm getting to that overstimulation point and head it off before it happens. What are the major benefits of being a highly sensitive person? Oh, there's so many. It's actually, I, I get jealous of you guys sometimes, honestly. <laughs> like there's so many benefits. I know it comes with the overstimulation and everything that we talked about, but I, I hate it when discussions of high sensitivity focus too much on the challenges or the negative stuff because there's so many strengths that come with it. Um, one of the biggest ones is that highly sensitive people will draw connections that other people completely miss. And it's it's so powerful because you guys' brains are processing everything very deeply. First of all, you're noticing things that are so subtle that other people don't even notice them. So everything's on your radar. So you've got a bigger buffet of sort of information or ideas to even just dig through. And then you're spending more time processing them, which means that you're, you're making connections that go deeper than the connections that I, I myself might make. And you're, and you're, and you're just the, the quality of thinking and the brilliance that can come out of a highly sensitive mind. It's really impressive. Um, Likewise, uh, that can lead to being extremely talented creatively. Not all highly sensitive people are going to work in a creative field or be an artist, but when they choose to go into those fields, their, highly, their high sensitivity often serves them very, very well. Um, a lot of the most revered and respected artists, musicians, painters, authors uh, out there are high, highly sensitive themselves. Some of them have even openly said, yeah, actually, I, I'm a highly sensitive person, like Alanis Morissette. Others, you can just sort of look at, at stories about what, you know, their life and their biography and everything like that. And you can make a pretty good guess that this person seems highly sensitive. Um, and that is, you know, that's powerful in its own right. And then in the workplace, too. I think a lot of highly sensitive people struggle with feeling not understood at work, or especially if, you're, if your career is one that involves a lot of really demanding deadlines, or your boss is very not understanding of your emotional needs, or you have crabby coworkers, anything like that. It can be really hard, um, but I would also bear in mind that highly sensitive people are really good at understanding other people around them. You're very good at relating to people. Um, that can be good in a lot of situations. You're also very good when you get into a leadership position. Highly sensitive leaders are something else because you guys are able to think about the emotional needs and the personalities of all the people working under you. You tend to really listen to your teams. You tend to take feedback from the teams really well. When you have a plan or when there's something difficult decision that has to be made, you tend to bring it to the team and in a way where the team gets to talk about it and you get to, they all get to kind of say their piece. Um, and these are really powerful things. People respect leaders who act like that. So a highly sensitive person in a management position or even a supervisor position of any kind 
uh, can make a really big difference in, in both morale and productivity because of the way they relate to people. Oh, those are so good and so encouraging. It's nice Plus to hear. Good podcast host. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's awesome. So we've had this amazing conversation and, and you've noted or alluded to your website. Can you tell us some more about your website, why you started it and what your vision is for it? We feel like highly sensitive people have a lot to offer the world. But as we said, highly sensitive people aren't understood well by the majority. So we want to bring awareness to them. We also want to help highly sensitive people understand themselves better. And we want people in their lives to be able to understand them better too. We want friends, partners, coworkers of HSPs to understand that they're not just dealing with someone who is nitpicky or overreactive or someone who's just being difficult. We want them to understand what highly sensitive people struggle with and that it's a very real challenge for many highly sensitive people just to get through the day. We also want HSPs to be able to understand their own sensitivity better so that they don't have to go through the day feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and that they can find more peace and happiness in their lives. Great stuff. So in your opinion, thinking about all that we've talked about, what's the most important thing our listeners should take away from today's show? You're normal. Not only are you normal, but you are also really special. Like it, it's a it's a trait that comes with two sides of the coin. I think a lot of people, when they do start to see the brilliance uh, and the empathy and the nurturing of a highly sensitive person, they want to be around that. And then when it comes to the highly sensitive person being overwhelmed or overstimulated or having emotional needs of their own, then suddenly the person is not interested. They're like, oh, well, I just wanted the good part. But the truth is that your trait comes with both sides of the coin and both sides are important. You don't get all the brilliance and empathy and caring without that other side of processing deeply and sometimes getting overstimulated by it. And the fact that you are sometimes facing that overwhelm, that overstimulation, that's not a bad thing. You're, you're normal. It's a normal trait. And it comes with a lot of brilliance on the other side of the coin. So remember that. I love that. So tell us again, just one more time, what's the name of the website? It's HighlySensitiveRefuge.com. Very cool. Well, we will definitely put that in the show notes. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys today. Thanks, Bo. Thanks for listening to the Introvert Deer podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being quiet and spending time alone.